Hello, mate. Hello, mate. You're right. I'm all right, mate. How's it going? I'm. It's going all right, mate. How's it going? Your end. Yeah, it's going great. Yeah. Wow, we that's, that's absolutely peachy. I really am enjoying talking to you. Anyway, <laughs> that was Bang Bang Podcast. See you all next week. Yeah. We'll see you um, next week. This, this was the least controversial episode of Bang Bang Podcast. I really enjoyed it. Um, take care, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. All the best. Bye bye. Um, yep, so we're Bang Bang Podcast. Um, hello. How are you doing, mate? You all right? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, we talk great. about... Um, um... Well, we've we've done it again. That's another episode <laughs> of Bang Bang Podcast in the bag. Yeah. The second least controversial um, episode of Bang Bang Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. Cheers, bye-bye. I can just edit in between these. We can get loads of episodes out, can't we? I'll just keep just putting <laughs> just getting the paint up. This yeah, is our version yeah. of episode seven of Size Podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Hello, everybody. So, yeah, we're Hello. Man Podcast. How are you? We talk, no, about... <laughs> <laughs> we talk about wrestling and... Uh, well, I don't know. Loosely about wrestling. It starts off with a, a great, honest and pure idea of talking about a topic... Of yeah. a wrestler or a pay-per-view or, or whatever and then veers badly off topic really quickly I get drunk and insult mm-hmm. everybody and then we end the podcast so thanks for yeah. listening this has been the yep. third least controversial <laughs> bang bang podcast thank you very much for listening good night cheers bye bye um so this week we're uh we're talking about Mr. Perfect. I think we mentioned that at the end of last week's episode. Yeah, about time. I've been wanting to do Mr. Perfect for fucking years. Yeah, we had a poll going back. I've got a poll now, mate. Have you, mate? I know. That's yeah, how we're, we're doing Mr. Perfect. Well, it's not time. <laughs> um, we did a poll here last year at some point where we had, I think it was uh, Sid, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, and somebody else, I think, and he didn't win. Um, I'm very annoyed. That you yeah, people it, it, out it was, there in Podland. It was a good. It was a tough poll though, and there's a lot of. I think Sid won. I think so, incredibly. Yeah, that's but, the fucking much to my annoyance. Mm, but we've done Rick Root since, so it's all right. Yeah, we'll get around to doing all these blokes eventually. But um, so yeah, Mr. Perfect today. Uh, last week we did um, Survivor Series 1990. Um, that went well until the two-hour mark. <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It, again, as I say, I was obligated to say every week we got some good feedback here. It went down quite well, I think. People seem to enjoy it. Um, a few people, a couple of people commented that we didn't really, the, the major, whatever this sort of remembers from that pay-per-view was The Undertaker's debut, and we kind of mentioned it for maybe two, three minutes, probably, and spent... 10 minutes on Robert Palmer's back catalogue. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's the whole point of, of yeah. having a non-scripted, under the influence of alcohol yeah. podcast, isn't it? Because we everyone... We set out with pure ideas, people. Yeah. And then Andy triggers me, and it yeah. all goes pear-shaped. Well, the way I look at it is everybody who, listens, who was going to listen to this episode knew that about The Undertaker anyway, didn't they? they yeah, knew yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not sort of... No. This is the bit of wrestling I know nothing about. Listen mm. to the men. Listen to the listen to the intelligent, insightful men talk about the Undertaker's debut. Yeah. 
that I know nothing about. Yeah. No, everybody would, knows it all already. Yeah. But it would have known about. He covered Cole, it all in a gif anyway when yeah. he, the Undertaker, destroyed Coco Beware. Yeah. So if you don't know what the Undertaker's debut was like, see the gif that Andy put on a few days ago. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that, you could look at that rather than listen to the podcast, really. It would be, well, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. On a loop. Yeah. Two hours of looking at that gif. Mm. It gets more beautiful the more you watch it because the leap through the air of Coco Beware. And yeah. he really does grab the back of him and slam him into that rope across the throat as well. So, And Coco being the athletic so-and-so that he was, um, sold it really well. So, Yeah, yeah. And... Um, the questions we we had last week they went down they went down quite well um to various different <laughs> different effects but uh yeah um and i'm gonna mention now the competition so we're doing before i get too drunk and at the end i make a big meal of it so we're doing a little sweepstake thing and i've sent people messages i've made it sound extremely convoluted when it isn't at all so basically we're gonna pick 30 of you lot out um, of a hat and then as the Royal Rumble goes along we're going to draw a name out for each entrant so what we're planning on doing is um, the night after the Royal Rumble is watching that together at the same time and doing an episode sort of of us watching the, this year's Royal Rumble and kind of reacting to that and we'll draw names out as people are entered so for the men's match that'll be and we're going to do like a generic um, predictions competition as well at some point, just for because we've got some crap to give away. So, um, so yeah, so look out for that. We'll mention it in the next few weeks coming up. And next week, I think I, I didn't, didn't mention this to Steve, but is next week is going to be our second episode of Any Other Bollocks. So you'll get a, a message in the in the next few days with uh, with an invitation to ask us questions and we'll be asking you a question as well so you can give your answer and you can ask us a question uh whatever you like so that'll be next week um so yeah if, it's a bit of housekeeping out of the way if if we could make it less soap opera based that would be good <laughs> I don't watch any of this shit, and quite frankly, no. your questions about it bore the shit out of me. So, yeah. Yeah. unless you want to be told point blankly to fuck off, then yeah. make it make it nice for we, me. Because I'll just we, walk off halfway through and just let Andy do it. I've got other <coughs> things to do. I've got cross. I've got needlepoint and ironing and curtain hemming and all these other important jobs that need doing. So, yeah. entertain me, you fuckers. Yeah, the last one we did was really good fun. Yeah, Any other to be honest, great. The, 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 we, you excelled yourself with your non-soap opera-related stuff, but it seems to have descended into a lot of Coronation Street bullshit that I fucking hate, so no, just I mean, be warned. It's probably my fault, because I encourage it. So Yeah, 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 you're, you're the biggest cunt I've ever met anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Anyway, Andrew, what are you drinking anyway, tonight? I actually tonight I'm drinking. I used my emergency booze last night on a on a different uh, different yes. media venture. Um, he, the, he hoard himself out onto other podcasts. 
Yeah. Rather well, than spend a, a night in with his podcast wife. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to hear it for another couple of months. So some of the stuff I said on there is probably going to be completely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> Why change the habit of a lifetime? Yeah. So if, if you're listening to an episode of wait, well, it was Mags's Badlands podcast. Um, okay. If, if you're listening to an episode of that in sort of mid to late March, and you hear me mention that we're coming up to the peak of COVID in the next couple of weeks, don't panic. It was recorded in January, so. Um, but you, if you're going to go around without your masks and not socially distancing and, yeah. and not washing your hands, then maybe Andy will be right in two months' time. Yeah. That is down to you, people. Yeah. I mean, might all be dead in two months' time, and you might not hear the podcast anyway. But um, well, I've had my second vaccine, so I won't be dead of COVID. No, no. Um, I've had my first, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're less likely to die of COVID. Hmm. So to answer your original question, I'm drinking. I drank my emergency Heineken last night, and I haven't got any booze left in the house, so I'm drinking a bottle of. Um, Barefoot Pinot Grigio. Oof. White wine. I don't, don't drink white the wine. The co-op. The co-op. <laughs> white wine. Oh. <coughs> I've had it in the fridge, so, so I'm drink, drinking Thanks. chilled white wine tonight. Yeah, does, does Kate know you're drinking her wine? Yes, yeah, she does. She wouldn't drink it. That's why it's still on the side. <laughs> Fair play, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't touch it with a barge bowl, mate, so... <laughs> Yeah. And yourself? I, well, well, we sort of get convened about half past seven um, mm-hmm. to to just so I can, I can release a bit of tension, shape things out. We have, we just have a bit of a chat about what we're going to be doing and, and, and just catch up yeah. um, over the last week's terrible NHS care home predicament. Um, but in that time, I drank one of my beers anyway, doing that. I was on a Bristol beer, beer factory milk stout. Now, I ordered, I don't think, I think I did say, um, I ordered the stout box from Beer Nuts, Siren Stout Box. And I've got a few left because I was getting through the Christmas stash anyway. I saved the Caribbean chocolate cake ones for another time. Um, so I got... Currently in my glass, a together and apart. It's not a stout, but it was in the stout box. It's a Cascadian dark ale with coconut. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. The last one that they put in that wasn't um, a stout was that sour porter. And that was fucking vile. So live on air, I'm going to try this Cascadian dark ale with coconut from Siren. Um, See what it's like. It smells mm-hmm. like beer, so it's not a good start. Well, well I suppose. Um, Actually, that's yeah, not bad. Uh, it's nice, is it? Yeah, it's not bad. I can't really tell. As with all these things that say they have coconut in, mm. I've had most of them now. Um, can't really taste the coconut, but it's a it's a nice enough beer. It's quite tasty. Um, and the other one I've got at the moment is a Siren Broken Dream breakfast stout, which I said before mm-hmm. was a, a wonderful concept to have a 7% beer for your breakfast. Yeah. But 
why why they're called breakfast stouts. So you, if you go through the off licenses or Tesco's and things, if you see a breakfast stout, the reason it's called a breakfast stout is because oats are a main ingredient. So it it was okay. jokingly recorded because they basically made it with porridge, which is a breakfast dish. For those of you who aren't Scottish, you who like it with cold water and despair rather than <laughs> milk and sugar. We've got a lot of Scottish listeners, you know. I know, even though you put somebody on your Survivor Series <laughs> Scottish yeah. team who wasn't actually Scottish. Mm. Well done, Andy. We sounded Scottish on Twitter. <laughs> so Just from how he was typing. Just from his tweets, yeah. But I, what I'm disappointed with, with all the Scottish people that do follow us on um, Twitter, is I mm. I have got a very long connection with Scotland, Edinburgh, more than anything. But I've got a lot of Scottish mates, um, and the, we're all on Facebook, and they tend to write as they speak. Mm-hmm. So you find yourself saying their Facebook posts out loud in the accent yeah um and i'm i'm very disappointed that none of our scottish twitter followers do the same tweeting scottish yeah tweeting scottish yeah yeah obviously we've got a higher class of follower probably than your mates i I have got a load of punk rock um reprobates it must be said yeah i'm just um I, I posted last night, and when this goes out next Monday, it'll be a week since. But um, any of you people out there um, know a band called The Census Things from the late 80s and into the mid-90s. Um, their, their singer and guitarist, Mark Kedd's passed away um, Monday, Monday the 11th, it would be. Um, an old mate, um, very talented guy had his issues um and in the end they they claimed him if you want to go and listen to anything by a band called the census things um we were around my old band was around at the same time played a load of load of gigs with them when they played bristol whenever they played bristol they'd end up um if i went on tour myself they'd end up crashing at mine mark would always do the tidying up and the washing up in the morning uh a good lad um very sad he died he, he was only he was only 50 so younger than me but a, a fucking massive talent and um i just want to say yeah rest in peace mark you will yeah. be you will be very missed yeah i never really heard much of the census things i suppose well, I get on spotify and fucking listen yeah. to shit great band yeah I, I i knew the name um but yeah, I suppose I got his music sort of mid nineties, so it would have been kind of like must have just sort of been before that kind of indie Britpop kind of boom in the in the mid mid nineties, which got me into stuff. But um, yeah, sad. Right. So. I'll dismiss uh, instantly. Well, sad. Right. Well, no. no. Heartless cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was me segueing into the next into the next uh, segment. Um, right, so Mr. Perfect. Yes. That's sad as well, really, isn't it? Really, but. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, so Kurt Hennig born on the 28th of March 1958 now who else was born on the 28th of March I was going to say as in tradition so we've got I'm preempting you as always we've got four cultural icons you you play fast and loose with the term cultural icon don't you because then you you come out and say Cliff Lazarenko or okay so or something uh, like that. So uh, I'm, I have an I'm going into this cultural icon thing with an open mind. Please enlighten me, dearest Andrew. Okay, uh, Steve Ball. One game for England or something <laughs> shit like that. He did score in it though. Fair play yeah. to him. I think he we, played about. We... He scored about a thousand goals for Wolves, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> um, Lady Gaga. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess she's a yeah. She counts as a cultural icon. Michael Steve Parkinson Ball definitely doesn't. So you're one all at the moment. <laughs> okay, Michael Parkinson, um, inventor of the disease. Mhm. And um, a man who spent his hand up a puppet's backside for a long time. It's not. It's not Velveteen Dream. It's not Velveteen Dream. No. No. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew Corbett. No, he, he didn't. He got. Uh, it, there were other people doing. But other people? No. Was he not working? No, he was just like. So he, he was just like Mr. Derek to ba- Basil Brush. Was it? But yeah, his dad was. Was it his dad that was first of all? Harry H. Corbett. No, that's Harry yeah. Corbett. Yeah. Harry Corbett. Harry H. Corbett was Steptoe. Yeah. Was it? Harry H. Corbett was Steptoe. See, their relation to Matthew Corbett. Eh? Was he any relation to Matthew Corbett? No. No. That's a no shame. No. How about, no, how, really. how about Ronnie Corbett? No, no, no. No? Okay. I don't know anyone else with the surname. I think his son actually does it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. But nobody cares about Sutty now. No, well. It's like, it's like, well, my nan does did um, Muffin the Mule. Um, I do Muffin the Mule now. Is Muffin the Mule on telly? No. Then nobody gives a fuck about you, mate. Okay. Well, apologies for any, any fans but, of Muffin the Mule. Yeah. yeah. But, Matthew Corbett, I, can, I'm, I think he was your... I, I, I was on the cusp, I can remember his dad doing it, Harry Corbett. Yeah. And then handing him over... But yeah. I, I guess you're you're quite a bit younger than me, so I am. Matt yeah. Corbett was your established Sutian sweeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah. So he was born in Minnesota. Kurt Hennig. That is not Matthew Corbett. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I was just about to say. I'm sure he's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he went Robin to Robin. Same, yeah. Same, and went went to school with um. Rick Every Rude. other wrestler in the eighties. Yeah. Big, big high school mates with Rick Rude. And um, Nikita Koloff, Tom Zank, Hawk, Barry Darso, John Nord, Brady Boone. Yeah, yeah, oh, Brady Boone, or Battle Cat. No, he's ref, um, and he died years ago. um, (laughs) Yeah. And he didn't really have much of a career. So if we're going hierarchy, then... I'd leave him out. And proper, possibly Tom Zank, I'd leave out of oh. from that. No, yeah. shit, mate. Okay. Um, 
So Kurt Hennig, he made his debut in 1980. Yeah, one interesting fact about Tom Zenk, though, when they did start doing um, drug tests for that brief period of time, they seemed to be doing it in the late 80s. Um, yeah. Tom Zenk returned the highest positive cannabis result um, known to anybody in WCW. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? Yeah, 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 even... yeah he was, uh, so fair play to Tom, but it might um, it might be a clue to why he wasn't very good at wrestling. <laughs> if he was that stony, I can remember the days I was less coordinated, shall we say. <laughs> Broke, unable to move. I enjoyed when he when he had the tag team with Brian Pillman. They were good, but apart from that, it was... Uh, it's only good because of Brian Pillman, to be fair. Well, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a bit of a job guy, wasn't he, I suppose? Yeah, 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 he was a glorified job guy, like Paul Roma. Yeah. Jim Powers, that, that sort of thing. He was just sort of the rung off of... Yeah, yeah. The rung just off of job, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, he made his debut in 1980, and he was initially called Cool, cool Kurt Hennig. With the AWA? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas old man had been established star there for quite a while. Um, jumped over and did a couple of years in WWF, being a kind of um, sort of lower card new guy coming up. Yeah, yeah. He had a match with Mr. Fuji in his early days in Madison Square Garden. Drink, and um, his first win was against Johnny Rods. Yeah, the the trainer of a lot of people, and and inexplicably one of the first inductees into the uh, WWE. Yeah, and he also set why. up the um like the the uh, people who come into your drainage, didn't he? Uh, no, Dino Rods. Is that not him? No, no, no. <laughs> um, he teed up with you know Eddie what, uh, for a while. Yeah, in, in, in the future, <laughs> yeah. I bang bang Monday next week, yeah. and you make that joke, and everybody's listened to it. You will still yeah. be the only one laughing at it. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. If, if you laughed at that, get in touch. Um, yeah, <laughs> with with a doctor. He teamed up with Eddie Gilbert a few times, and yeah, he, he was kind of having matches, but like the there, established... there was promising face um, up and comer um, um, matches against people like Playboy Buddy Rose, Greg Valentine, Killer Khan, yeah. the man who broke Andre the Giant's leg, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the team with Eddie Gilbert who. Had a little bit of a a, a, a little bit of a push, um, but as with anything to do with Eddie Gilbert, um, he presented problems, shall we say, to yeah to management, and they they let him go. <laughs> I've seen a few of his matches, like going back and watching old NWA stuff, and he was always he was he's always really good in the ring, Eddie Gilbert. It's always been out of ring he's, stuff. He's a, he was a talented wrestler and a, a yeah, good, 
a good heel and a good yeah. good character, but backstage mm-hmm. problems. Problems. Had it, but Eddie Gill um, had a good mind for the business, and he was on booking committees, um, yeah. even at WCW. But in his mind, he was always the top guy. Um, he was a Memphis wrestler as well, because his because mm. of his dad, Tommy Gilbert. Um, he would never. He would change the booking in Memphis if he was booked to job in Memphis. He changed changed the booking and frequently get into. I guess I'm a hometown guy. I've got to look strong. It's like, well, we don't care about people's hometowns. We care about the whole. This is this is. Eddie came into that sort of thing and tried to push the old territory style kayfabe at a time when that wasn't. That was being phased out and the national expansion and starting. So he was a victim of circumstance. Um, and his inability to embrace a national expansion and a national booking policy whilst re- trying to remain strong in his hometown as if he was in a territory, ultimately, to me, um, marginalised him and was why he didn't get a massive push anywhere um, and was moved on frequently because he was too much trouble, didn't embrace anything. And in the end, um, much like the chap we're talking about now, was a victim of his own um, personal habits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he went back to uh, win the NWA Pacific Northwest tag titles with his old man. Don Owens, Pacific Northwest is in Seattle, Oregon, yeah. Portland, up in that sort of Pacific Northwest area. Um, Don had good NWA ties, but was also well-respected in the AWA and WWF um, and, and maintained good ties with all of those people. Notable people that came out of Pacific Northwest, um, Buzz Sawyer, um, most famously, other than Larry the Axe Hennig and Kurt Hennig, Rowdy Roddy Piper spent a lot of time up in Pacific Northwest. That's where he made his name. And later, people like Scotty the Body, who was Raven, Scott Anthony, um, yeah. and um, Brian Adams, Crush, was one of the last Pacific Northwest champions. So it went on a lot longer than a lot of people thought it would. And mostly because when he was in trouble, his relationships with everybody in the business meant that they lent him talent to keep him going. Mm. That means AWA, WWF, WCW, they would all lend him talent to make sure Don Owen universally like didn't go under and when he did stop it was because he retired rather than because he went under so I, I, an honorable way for a well well liked and well respected promoter to go out on his own on his own shield as it were mm. I, I, I'm gonna close everything down because I'm retiring so um, if you if you're out there try and get onto YouTube to have a look at some Pacific Northwest matches um, Um, yeah. An up to date for its time promotion was he he embraced new ideas and new styles. Um, yeah, go and ch- go and check PNW out on YouTube. There's some great matches. 
Yeah. When I was younger, I used to get um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I used to yeah. get it in this country. It was like a big thing because, again, it was any when I was a kid, you would you kind of if you could saw a wrestler magazine, it would normally be up near the the pornos, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was a, it was very much a top shelf <laughs> thing, wasn't it? It was for anything yeah, yeah. again because I was when I was that sort of age, what ten, eleven. I was like massively into it and kind of all we had was sky so you, but i think in around that time you start getting a wwf magazine over here but I, you get pro wrestling Illustrated, and if you, you go through it and it would have the it'd have the rankings yeah yeah and they'd have the rankings of the joint rankings the rankings in wwf rankings in wcw and then they'd have the top 10 rankings of smaller promotions yeah Pacific yeah, Northwest being names. one of them. IWCCW, yeah. USWA. Yeah. It's weird. You see all these names in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. you see these names and then they suddenly turn up elsewhere. Mm. GWF was another one, but they used to run a. The, the Texas based GWF used to run a weekly program on ESPN that we had because of Sky as well. So there was a lot of wrestling on back. In the yeah. sort of late eighties, early nineties, yeah, a lot of wrestling via via Sky Sports with all, and ESPN. Yeah, but so yeah, he he also he held the tag titles with his old man. He also held them with Buddy Rose and yeah. Scott McGee. And I thought I remember Scott McGee, and then I thought back to our um, episode on the first Starcade, and he was the guy who got murdered by um, Mark Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> when he got that spike to his head and bled like uh, like a stuck pig everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And looked dead backstage with Andrew, Angelo Musker later on. That's right. That was Scott McGee. He was yeah. from he was Scott McGee yeah. was actually born in Shipley in West Yorkshire. Yeah, it says Garfield something. Garfield Gar- Ports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um yeah, and he back to AWA in 83 and he, he did he did a year 83 84 yeah. um going between Pacific Northwest and AWA mm. um but he he became more part-time in Pacific Northwest and slowly got back into the uh yeah, back in AWA. I'm um, forming a tag team with Scott Hall. Mm. A, a very green Scott Hall at the time, where he looked—he was Magnum Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you saw him around that time, you don't need explaining why he was called Magnum <laughs> Scott Hall. Looked exactly the, like uh, Tom Selleck with muscles, basically. Yeah, they're on Ludicrous the Wrestle Rock Rumble, aren't they? Mustache. Yeah, yeah. They're part of the Wrestle Rock Rumble, the the, the rap. Yes. Yeah, the pair of them. And the Wrestle Rock, um, interminable Wrestle Rock pay per view, which is on the network. Yeah. Um, good lord. But how did, I I I have no idea how AWA stayed in business so long with with what? that. There's a lot of good stuff doing that. I, I went back and oh. watched a bit of AWA. When we were doing the Vader episode, yeah, but there, there, at the time there was at the top end there was some good, yeah. good stuff and a little bit more serious stuff. But down at the bottom end, 
Mm. Load of fucking idiots. Jake the Milkman Milliman. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, strangely enough, if you go and have a look at him, looks like he could have been Otis's dad. <laughs> but looking like people again. like him and yeah. Colonel De Beers was a very Colonel De Beers. Yeah. Oh God. What a what a bastard that man was. Yeah. Well, so yeah. But but looking back at the um, so watching some of those matches, the production for that sort of time, sort of mid eighties, is is very similar, like the TV stuff, it's similar to WWF to be honest, like in smaller venues. But um, I went back and watched the match. So obviously, yeah. So he won the AWA tag title with Scott Hall, and then he went yeah. on in eighty seven to beat um, Nick Bockwinkle, Bockwinkle, sorry, for the AWA title. Um, and I've watched that match. It was a good 30-minute-plus match. Um, but Nick Botwinkle, he looks probably in his mid-50s at this well, point was. in 1987. That's, that, that, that's what I mean. He was. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he still had, I mean, he had the physique. But he looked, uh, he had the hair of, uh, like well, an old man, man. He had the hair of a man his age. I suppose, yeah. I a suppose. 55-year-old Man yeah. in, in the 1980s, he was, yeah. There was always that sort of thing with Nick Botwinkle. He was older at the time. He was he was coming near the end of his career at that point, and he maintained, but he, he was a he was a proper world champion. He wasn't a wasn't a, a you 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 see him with the belt and he looks credible and he wrestled credibly. Mm-hmm. He was a bit of a chicken shit heel, but could wrestle if he wanted to his psychology was amazing his his promos he's a very eloquent mm. promo um he was managed with bobby heenan, bobby well, the brain heenan. Yeah. Um, yeah didn't really need bobby the brain heenan in the way that other heels would need a manager because he could hold his own with anybody within a promo yeah um but he made it was made perfect sense for him to be with Bobby the Brain Heenan, mm. but he used to Nick Botwinkle is like he used to work. He used to what was it? He used to learn a new word every day, um, right. and then try and fit them into his promos. So you have a look, have a listen to his promos, and he'd, he'd be trying to use one appropriately used but grandiose mm. type of word. In, he was a very eloquent man. Um, but a proper world champion and uh, a time when things were starting to change. He, for me at the time, when Ric Flair wasn't world champion, was probably the best wrestler in the world. Coming to his end of his career in, in his 50s, there was always that sort of dream, the dream scenario. What if he joined the Four Horsemen? Mm. I don't think he would have been a good fit in the Four Horsemen because wrestling-wise he would, but... He was always an alpha male, and there would have been that instant, instant, yeah, jarring with him and Ric Flair. Also, the Four Horsemen were a play hard, wrestle hard sort of live mm. the gimmick off stage, and he wasn't. He was a family man and right. a gentleman. Yeah, and for for that side of things, he wouldn't have fit in with the the Four Horsemen either. He'd, he'd be off home to his wife. Yeah. So was there ever any talk of him 
moving across. But the that's there, there was there was talk at the time about coming to the end of his career. You'd have been yeah. better off being a JJ Dillon figure in the Four Horsemen, to be honest. Mm. They 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 were both good promos, but they'd already had JJ Dillon in that role, so there was no need for him to to come over. Not he went into WCW in commissioner roles. Yeah. So he. He was always going to end up there after, especially after the AWA folded. But there was there were a lot of different scenarios that he could have moved into. But I think he was happy to retire at that point when AWA folded, um, yeah. because, like you say, he was a man in his late fifties. I mean, if you think Mick Foley is fifty-five and he's been retired from yeah, yeah. full-time wrestling for a long time. Nick Buckwinkle was still wrestling a full-time schedule at 55. Mm. So at my age, God's sake, yeah. I, I, I have trouble wrestling a full-time schedule getting out of bed in the morning, let alone <laughs> yeah, yeah. wrestling a full-time schedule. Yeah. So it suppose... says, says a lot about him as a bloke. Yeah. I suppose he was too late for that kind of exodus from AWA to WWF. They kind of went on this this sort of ten year kind of period where everybody sort of moved across. Yeah, it was just too late for him. Also, he was married to one of Vern Gagne's daughters. Oh, okay. So that was that that was the whole point in the last well, God, the last ten, fifteen years of, of AWA, people were yeah. starting to leave and Vern Gagne was an increasingly paranoid man and couldn't mm. trust anybody and the only people he could trust are the people that were either his son greg yeah um or people that were married into his family like nick botwinkle and um what's his name larry zavisco yeah so he, he the people i'm gonna put the i'm gonna put the championship on people who aren't gonna aren't gonna sort of shit yeah. on me and that was only reinforced, really, when Kurt left. Yeah. And the debacle with Jerry the King Lawler. But that was Vern Gagne's whole doing. He wouldn't pay anybody. So no. politics forced him into sharing the world championship. And then Jerry the King Lawler got it. Jerry the King Lawler never never defended that title because he refused to come up to Minnesota to, mm. until he got paid. And yeah, wouldn't pay him. So I didn't even ever remember Burns. hearing Jerry Dillon or in AWA. Burns. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to back to Kurt. It's not <laughs> yeah. <before> now. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, there was some talk that um, that was the main reason he got the belt was that very Ganyas said to him, "Listen, we need you to stay. We'll we'll make you champion." But yeah. But yeah, he held the belt for for about a year. Um, they, they, you'll, you'll notice that in the in the how it switched as well. He was helped yeah. by the other brother-in-laws, Larry Zabisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sort of turned him into a heel because before then he'd been a, a face pretty solidly, really. Um, and it was a feud then between Kurt and Larry feuding with Greg and Vern. Greg and Vern, yeah, yeah. Then he went on to be managed by Medusa for a bit. Yeah, who was the AWA Women's Champion at the time. Yeah, and they joined the Diamond Exchange, 
which was uh, DDP. Bad Company. Bad Company. I didn't realise Bad Company when you were in Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- Tanaka and, and Paul Diamond, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Colonel De Beers. The, the aforementioned heat magnet called Colonel De Beers, the height of apartheid at the time, and he was openly racist. A very dodgy <laughs> character. Yeah, great, yeah. He lived his gimmick. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he was a, he was a, a an Afrikaans, South African yeah. white supremacist in real life. So, <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time. I went travelling. This is a complete yeah, aside. Yeah, yeah, you went over and uh, I got, I got, I got regular reports back from you with from the, uh, yeah. from the cricket. Yeah, I and they're remember. an they're an odd bunch, the Afrikaans. I tell you, an odd bunch. <laughs> Very strange. To where Obviously you got, young. where you got your love of biltong from? It was, yeah, yeah. Lots of young boys who look very similar with big necks. That's the Afrikaans. Um, yeah. So he, um, sorry if there's any Afrikaans listening to us. Yeah, um, well, but um, commiserations on your large neck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, or maybe you're proud of it. Who maybe knows? Maybe you're proud of it. Yeah. Or cares. Yeah. I'm gonna get some crisps. Um, Hang on. Okay, I'll keep talking. Where you going to get some crisps? <coughs> There's a cough for you. Um, so we lost the title to Jerry Lawler in May 1988. And again, as I was saying to Steve, I've literally got no recollection of Jerry Lawler ever being in the AWA. Um, so that was a bit of a strange one. And then he was back off to the WWF. Everybody was going to the WWF munch, munch. at yeah. the time. Didn't yeah. honour his, didn't honour his, Jay was given enough money just to say, come on. Yeah. And I think before he, he finished his um, last lot of AWA dates, before he handed in his notice, he'd already filmed a lot of the now infamous Mr. Perfect vignettes. Yeah. And do you know who his first win in WWF, not on TV, but his first win in WWF, uh, like a big sort of house show was against? Oh. Don't yeah. look it up. Our old mate, Terry Taylor. <laughs> Terry Taylor, yeah. Good old Terry. Now, there was some talk, wasn't there, that uh, it's like an internet rumour that that if things would work out differently, that this kind of gimmick could have potentially gone to could have gone to Terry Taylor. But I think that's probably bollocks. That's I always imagine. He was in a room and he was given a load of different ideas. Mr. Perfect would have been one of them. Yeah. A couple of other, the model, would say, or whatever. And then then Red Rooster came up and he go, yeah, that, that's, that's the perfect gimmick for me. Yeah. yeah. Was he that? Was he that fucking desperate? To do something. I don't know if he, he picked he it, took, did he? He took possibly the shittest gimmick known to man. Or they did just, they just hate him? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah. But he was on their booking committee for ages, so... Yeah. Maybe they just... Yeah, again, that, that, I think that story's been kind of disproved in, in certain places. That 
they get they just there there wasn't like a strict sort of gimmick Mr. Perfect you're going to be Mr. Perfect they just kind of like they came up with that idea for him after he signed and he sort of doing some of these vignettes because again when he first came in he was he was Kurt Hennig is the start of his return and then became Mr. Perfect as time went on but yeah those get those the famous vignettes with him uh, playing pool and hitting the bullseye and throwing the football and catching it. Americans, whenever whenever Dart is shown on anything American, yeah, it always shows people just literally just trying to hit the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. There's no fucking thought in the game of five hundred one or yeah. or anything or it, it's just everybody. I'm brilliant. I hit the bullseye. It's not how it fucking goes, you fucking idiots. No, we've. This is our now weekly darts uh, chat. So, my cousin who I mentioned last week, professional darts mm. player, Steve Brown, he started listening to the podcast. He wasn't listening before, which you'd think, as a member of the family, you'd be listening out of, you know, just family loyalty. But he wasn't. None of mine um, do. No, 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 no. But no, he started no, listening no, to the podcast. If you're, if you're out there, family. Bollocks, you fucking assholes. <laughs> but yeah, he started uh, He started listening to the podcast. So hello, Steve, if you're listening. He's probably not, because you probably made that up just to, you know. Just to see, yeah. Just to make me feel better. Ball, can you remember that ball cousin? Yeah, Andy, one with massive yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. yeah he banging on about a podcast. I told him I listened to it. I fucking haven't, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's wrong. How dare he make fun of your head as well? That's my job. I know, yeah. Yeah, terrible. Um, so yeah, so the, the, those vignettes, and then um, in October, he was first referred to as Mr. Perfect on uh, Primetime Wrestling, and he beat Jumping Jim Brunzel. Another AWA, so he, he was very was familiar he? with Jim Brunzel. Jim Brunzel yeah. was part of the High Flyers with Greg Gagne. Okay. Who was so the other guy? He, would, he, would very, he was very... Uh, aware of, of Jim Brunzel and probably wrestled quite a lot of times so that was a perfect match for him to, to look good because Jim would have known how he wrestled and to how to put him over properly so yeah um, what was the other guy called B B Brian Blair uh, the Killer Bees yeah B Brian yeah. Blair yeah yeah Florida strange wrestling. name yeah um, yeah so Survivor Series 88 he was on Andre the Giants team with Rick Rude, Dino Bravo, and Harley Race. Looking back, that's quite good. Apart if you take yeah, Dino yeah, Bravo, yeah. take Dino Bravo out. It took it like, like the Mafia did. <laughs> but, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. Back in the day, D- Dino Bravo in Canada, in Montreal, yeah. was a fucking huge draw. He would out, he would outdraw Hulk Hogan in Montreal. Yeah. For Did other he... for rival promotions, that's why he was brought in and given the push that he was because he was fucking super over in Canada. Yeah, I, you, I, I don't I, think I remember ever, because he's a bit of a. I think yeah. it's fair to say that Dino Bravo came across as a bit of a fucking oaf on yeah. the WWF program, but that's why they brought him in and gave him a big push because he was just Canada was a big market for the WWF. Um. Jack Tunney was was an, that's the reason he was on he was the Toronto Booker so they gave him that sort of title as honorary president sort of thing because 
Canada was that big a, a territory for them and they had to have people in recognisable positions to make it mean something to Canada. Yeah, you know, so the, this is... the Canadians are, are massively loyal to their to their their people. Uh, yeah. Bret Hart was fucking obviously over to the nth degree, even when he was a heel everywhere else. But people like Dino Bravo, Jacques Rougeau, there was talk of him mm. winning the World Heavyweight Championship in Montreal for. A bit. Right. It, it yeah. didn't actually happen because it was it would have meant he had to beat Hulk Hogan. But even a, like a token reign would have gone down massively in 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 Canada. PCO Pierre Carlulet as well mm. um, was a massive draw when when he wrestled in in Canada as Pierre Lafitte or but there was. God, I, I I think we underestimate because we're not we're not part of that sort of lineage that we we believe whatever America wrestling wise puts on us on a story wise, but just how big a draw some of these mid cards in America Canadian wrestlers were in Canada, and that's the reason why they were there, and yeah. given. What to us might seem quite odd pushes, Dino Bravo, for instance, well, actually yeah. being the main one, but that's that's why, because they were fucking humongous in their home country, and it was an important market to the WWF, so that's why they got their pushes. Yeah, there were all sorts so, of these little scenarios, even like sort of quick title reigns: win it in Montreal, lose it in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon or whatever back so yeah but if you look at that Hulk kind of thing though we Hulk Hogan think... involved none of yeah. those came to fruition because of Hulk Hogan being Hulk Hogan yeah but that was a good team and and just even with Dino Bravo because Dino Bravo at that time just coming off the back of a ma- massive heel run in in Montreal yeah so when you say about you know, getting these big crowds in Montreal, if you look at SummerSlam 92, do you think that if they would have, if the Bulldog wouldn't have been on the card, mm. do you think it would have affected the crowd? Or do you think they still would have got 90-odd thousand anyway? I think he was the main reason why. But I still think they'd have probably got that sort of crowd yeah, because I think it, it was have. a pay-per-view yeah, yeah. outside of America. Yeah. But the build for that was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. To be honest, he probably deserved that, even oh, if yeah. SummerSlam 92 was in Milwaukee or fucking yeah. Richmond, Richmond, Ohio or whatever. But yeah, I don't think that, was a, that would have been, say if it had been, uh, I don't know, Hogan and somebody in the main event, or it would have, it would have been the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. it was the atmosphere there as somebody was there. Yeah. Go back and check out more, our episode. It was a more special, yeah. yeah, check out our 1992 SummerSlam episode. It was a more electric atmosphere because of who was in the last match. Yeah. And it yeah. was, for us, the reason, a lot of the reason that a lot of people were there. 
Um, he was led to the ring by Lennox Lewis. Um, a tenuous C is linked to this. Yeah. Lennox Lewis was led to the ring by a bevy of attractive ladies um, for one match. I think I think it might have been his match um, against Frank Bruno. Um, yeah. But one of the one of the ladies getting um, Lennox Lewis to the ring was uh, the girlfriend at the time of the Sears guitarist Lee. Good old Sal. Yeah. But yeah, I think, tenuous link yeah. to the Sears. But <laughs> there. But. If you if you want that story in more detail, I think we mentioned that on our <laughs> Summerside episode as well. So yeah, I could have, but. Who knows yeah. what I was? Who knows what I was drinking at that point? God knows, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he was on that on that Survivor Series team, uh, and uh, actually there, the, the the two survivors on that team were Mr. Perfect, Dino Bravo. So yeah, there you go. Well, again, when I started watching wrestling, probably when I first got into it, around about this time in '89, '90, Dino Bravo was quite a big a big player. He was always on. He was the, a co-captain. <laughs> Yeah, with yeah. Andre the Giant and Dino Bravo, he was a co-captain. Yeah. That yeah. he was being pushed on the level with Andre the Giant. I was found Frenchy Martin confusing though. Oh, fucking that—that that was a ludicrous character in like a yeah. French artist smock and beret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he went. So obviously, when he came in, he went on this long unbeaten run, all the way through '89. Beating um, all Kobe the Ware, of, Blue Blazer, Red Rooster, yeah, Jimmy yeah, Snooker, going through the the gamut Vito of mid-carders. Yeah. He survived his flying burrito. Brett the yeah. Hitman Hart. Yeah. More on him later. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then October of that year, he became aligned with one of my favourite characters of this uh, this time period, uh, the Genius. I I I, I share I share perverse liking for the genius although he was <laughs> shit yeah. I, and his poems were poor I just liked I liked how he wanged everybody up quickly and easily he's got a book of um, poetry uh, if you listen to I, I don't like to mention other podcasts on the show obviously because you know we're in competition with all these really high tech uh, wrestling podcasts but on the, the Wrestle Me podcast they actually they mentioned Lanny Poffo's book of poems and they've read a couple out um yeah they're not great but so, so uh, we, i definitely we'll never get to do an episode on lanny poffo will we sadly but he was actually uh he was leaping lanny poffo only beforehand that was his kind of gimmick and he used to throw out frisbees to the crowd with poems That's on right leaping lanny yeah leaping lanny <laughs> but um if the two brothers, him and Randy, yeah. Randy was a notorious oddball. Mm. And the general consensus was that Lanny was actually madder. <laughs> yeah, Randy, Randy was his gimmick. I've actually got a confession to make. A very intense yeah. young man would go over his matches to the nth degree, would be insanely jealous of Miss Elizabeth and touching or talking to anybody. Yeah. An intensely paranoid person, um, mental. 
and apparently Lanny was more mental in a different way, I, um, but uh, in eminently more odd than Randy, which is some no mean thing, yeah. really. I've got a bit of a confession to make. I um, drunk DM'd Lanny Poffo a few weeks ago <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> and um, asked him if he'd do an intro for our show. Yeah. He's not replied. So no, he won't fucking, either. No. Yeah, we are sorry, no. Lanny, if you're if you're there and this is the this is the reason why you're not going to do it, then yeah. I don't actually care. Some people get drunk and send messages to young women and you know inappropriate stuff, and I get drunk, drunk and send send messages to Lanny Poffo. So I, do, I get I get drunk and go to bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah, send exactly. messages to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're you're winning on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the most bizarrely enough, when drunk, I am the most appropriate member of Bang Bang Podcast. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I send messages to men in their sixties on Twitter. So yeah, so he became aligned with the genius, and then that kind of led into the the feud with uh, with Hogan. Mm. Um through the end of 89 and into 90. Um, and then, so again, this this was like bang on the time when I was getting into wrestling, pretty much. So I can remember seeing the, the genius beat Hogan on Saturday night's main event. Um, and that's when they nicked his belt and smashed it up backstage with a hammer as well. Um, yeah, defeat, let's, uh, let's put in, it was Hogan he defeated, so obviously... There would have had mm. to be another reason, and it was by count out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're yeah, not suggesting yeah. that Lanny Poffo pinned <laughs> yeah, Hogan. <laughs> I think we need to we need to do a, a, a Saturday night's main event at some point because I used to love those. Yeah, pick Back. a pick a pick a decent one. Maybe get two or three and leave it up to the the kids to decide. Yeah, yeah. that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Um. Yeah, so they went, apparently at the time they had a big sort of house show run uh, where Hogan would win. But on well, TV, Hogan it was. Win. Yeah, I know, yeah, really? yeah. But Fuck. on TV, it was still played up that, that Perfect was undefeated. Yeah. Um, and we sort of went until January 1990, and there was a televised uh, Madison Square Garden show where he, I think he lost to Hogan by DQ. And that was his first loss. Um, uh, at the the Royal Rumble in 1990, he uh, the genius was wrestling Brutus Beefcake. Oh, it's on pay per view. This is <laughs> the genius versus Brutus Beefcake, and um, Mr. Perfect attacked Brutus Beefcake at the end, and that I led to did. a feud with Beefcake. I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? If the opportunity arose, you'd. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I I'd say, attack beefcake with anything I had to hand. I think I used to quite like him as a kid back in those days. Oh, I fucking hated him from the very the crowd, start. The reaction from the crowd was incredible. He got, like, insane the reaction from the crowd. Um, yeah, that's led to the feud between Beefcake and Perfect. But that night at the Rumble, it was Hogan and Perfect, the last, the last two. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, so he had his um, feud with Beefcake, went to WrestleMania, and that was actually his first pinfall loss on TV. Yeah. Was to Brutus and Barbara Beefcake. <laughs> it was probably a bit of a a bit of a come down. Anybody who lost to Brutus and Barbara Beefcake, yeah, it, it was tainted forever by him being as close to Hulk Hogan as it was, and that was the only reason he was ever hired. And pushed anywhere was because of Hulk Hogan. He, he was possibly the worst wrestler known to man. And this is coming from a man who's seen Giant Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, I think not long after this, he... Um, and has yeah. seen videos of Kenny Omega. Yeah. Um after this, there was a match which is showed on MSG, uh, like MSG uh, show. Right? MS, he lost MSG, to the Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like MSG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I finished a bottle of wine almost. So, um, Good man. Yeah. But the way they recorded it, so I think they recorded it pre WrestleMania and showed it after WrestleMania, where it would have made more sense. Obviously, if you're going into a match between Mr. Perfect and the Ultimate Warrior and Mr. Perfect lost to Brutus and Barbara Beefcake two weeks before and it's like, well, actually, he's probably not going to beat the world champion, the Ultimate Warrior, is he? <laughs> no. But they kind of got it mixed up. If he'd have lost his first pinfall to the Ultimate Warrior, it would have made a bit more sense, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was obviously pushed by his orangey baldness. Yeah. But he was having matches. Again, he had, um, I think, before WrestleMania, they... Saturday's main event it was him and the genius against Hogan and the warrior yeah and after Wrestlemania I think it was the first Saturday night's main event it was him and Hogan again mm. so he was still being pushed quite highly but there's a lot of talk I listened to a few a couple of different things about Perfect I watched the uh, there's a DVD there's the uh, documentary on the network as well aren't there about yeah. Perfect but they said that the um he never really did that well on the like, when he did like the, the the sort of house shows. He never really drew that much of a crowd for some reason. No, no, really he wasn't why. a draw. That, no, that, was, no. that was always the thing. Um, we we view him with yeah. the. I think if he was coming up and the internet was about now. Oh yeah, he'd be about, about yeah. then as it is now. He, the, he probably have had a world championship run in the WWF mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't a draw in the evidence for that. Despite us wonderful wrestling fans, um, if you didn't draw at the box office, that was that was it. There, mm. so it's all changed. A lot of wrestlers back then would have been far bigger now than they they would have been under the previous sort of system um because there is a lot taken into account with the internet and that's a big part of people's responses to things isn't it people get hired yeah. on the back of just look at AEW with the with their like sort of when Cody Rhodes was the TNT champion they they pick whoever was flavour of the fucking month that month and and get them in for a one-off yeah 
TNT title match. War fucking horse, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, war horse, yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. He's a, he's a very entertaining... Yeah. ...small segment person on the internet. Um and translates quite well into indie wrestling stuff. But he's a gobshite midget ultimate warrior. Yeah. I mean, I can see why they did that kind of thing. Because, again, it's not really going to affect... It's not going to have a big effect on the viewing figures, is it, really? It's like, well, chuck these blokes in and... I mean, I, in some ways, it's lazy in a way, isn't it? Because it's like, well, don't actually book a storyline around the belt. Just have these blokes yeah, that, come in that, every that, week, do one-off. That's that's the whole thing. They, 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 there's a paradox with, with AEW. They do yeah. some things really well. Mm. I mean, the, the, as much as I Blimey. hate fucking cunt, yeah. um, the build and the long-term story arc, which hasn't finished playing out yet with no, him, no. Oh, Kenny Omega and hangman page that's yep. not over that story arc's not finished they spent a lot of time doing that mm-hmm. and yet they do things like they'll get warhorse in for a one-off match or a couple of, I, I can't even tell you but they did that with a couple of other people and it was oh, nonsensical. Yeah. and their failure to do anything with the women's division other than plug a 50 pound subscription service 50 dollar subscription service yeah. fucking ludicrous but they the, do certain um, things really, really well. And the fact that they've got this working agreement impact at the moment mm-hmm. and they're starting to push the Bullet Club storyline mm. isn't really reflected on AEW television, but it's doing wonders for impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is odd, good, but odd from an AEW point of view. It's... it's their champion is is going to do things whether whether they end up nicking Gallows and Anderson off of Impact. That's that's the way the trade is going to be as long yeah. as Gallows and Anderson literally murder the middle aged fucks. Yeah. Because I yeah. hate those cunts more than anything. I hate yeah. them more than fucking Omega. But as long as that that happens. I think Ethan Page is probably going to end up with AEW. And Maybe. I'm not sure anybody should be thinking of going to AEW at the moment from the indies. For the same reason they probably shouldn't be thinking of going to the WWE yeah. at the moment. Because There's no room, is there? Their rotors are so fucking bloated, they're not yeah. going to get the chance. Obviously, they're going to sell it to them as you're the one that's going to come in and change everything and we're going to give you a massive push and then when it doesn't happen immediately they're becoming very quickly like mm. the wwe and they forget about people and leave them out and they don't show up on television they've got to have a four and a half day internet show just to make sure people get a match they're mm. they're rapidly they're rapidly falling into some of the same holes that the wwe have already fallen into now i wish aew all the best and get them as a and and i think they're not far off of being a legitimate long-term substitute 
Mm. But they're, they're, they need to not fall into the same traps as the WWE are falling into because, yes, they got all this money, but they've, they've, they've not got – AEW don't have the resources to put in or, or anything to create anything like the WWE Network. So they need to they need to they need to be a little bit more they need to be a little bit more sort of long term build for the whole thing. It it's making sense what they're doing with Impact at the moment. Yeah. But it has to mean something on AEW TV, and at the moment they're just trying to take over a smaller promotions TV, so it's benefiting Impact more than it is AEW. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which 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 is good for Impact because I quite like Impact. They're, they're, some of the some of the stuff that's going on in Impact is is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see why. Um, I, I I definitely agree with you on the point of having too many wrestlers to, yes, to do stuff with. Both of them are now got so many people. It's either. I still can't stand wrestling Twitter going, they all sign with AEW other than WWF because I love AEW and they're the best thing. No, yeah. it's not. It's, it's getting to the same point as the WWF where A, you're all cunts and B, it's not good for that wrestler. But the thing is, you can't go from having a... I, I can see why they want to get like... Uh, like having like celebrities involved in the show and that kind of thing, which is, you know... You don't really want that. That's the thing about that's what the thing what turned people off WWF is you having people there. They've got no interest in wrestling basically. Just bringing them in just to have a bit of a kind of commercial rub off them. But you can't. They want to get to that point, but they want to do that in you know like a year. Well, you 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 can't do that. You, if you want to be your own kind of separate brand, but you can't do that whilst being completely different to WWF. You can't do it that quickly. If, if you want to be a big commercial success and be like having loads of mainstream publicity, you're going to have to compromise those kind of beliefs which you had in the first place. It's just like, we don't want to be like WWF. We want to be separate. They, we want to be different. Whether you yeah, like no, yeah. think so or not, the AEW fans... The AEW is now completely like the WWE. That's what I'm saying. Is you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You you got. They want to be successful, and that's the model. So they are now feeding into that model. Yeah. Whether they whether they're all having a massive loving with their chums backstage, and oh yeah, I'm gonna fight with him. It's just like I I I want to be in a program with some of my mates. It's like that aside. Don't kid yourself. You are now the WWE with different initials. You've got a bloated roster. You don't have the first clue how to push the women's division. Maybe you'll learn something from the Impact knockouts and the way they book them because Impact clearly do have an idea how to book a women's division. Obviously, the WWE has an idea how to push the women's division because that's been a, that the biggest success for them over the last ten years. But you need you need to take some of that on board from Impact. Learn the good stuff that Impact does. They they also do the same as 
ring of honor and build up things logically. Um, mm -hmm. AEW yeah. seem to build things up logically for certain people. They're scattershot and drop things and don't use them and it's not consistent with a lot of other people but but they've there's definitely some brilliant ideas there there's definitely lots of potential to push themselves past the million mark and and beyond to to be a genuine contender for things like raw and smackdown yeah i think all this this wednesday night war stuff is 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 a bit of a yeah they're winning that but at the end of the day they're not going up against raw and smackdown no raw is the worst it's been forever this is the worst <laughs> lot of raw ever yeah, yeah and they're still even at its worst they're still half a million viewers ahead of the best figures that AEW have had, and all these yeah. people on the internet, they should go up against them on Monday night. It's like, no, they shouldn't, and they know they shouldn't. They're not stupid. You on Twitter are fucking stupid, but AEW, Tony Khan's not an idiot, and the people who are running the wrestling side of things aren't idiots. They're not going to go up against Raw because they know they'd be slaughtered. Yeah. It's not, it's not. What's the point? They've got their fan base there and they should be pushing that. If anything, NXT should be moving off a of Wednesday because they're, yeah. they've compromised everything that was good about NXT. Yeah. Yeah. In, a, in an effort to. So it, that, that's the, the winner in that is AEW, but they need to take in point that the reality is that they're going up against the WWE's third show. So if you hmm. really want to be doing stuff establish yourself and put everything into that wednesday create that wednesday as your spot and mm. show the dominance over nxt if that's the way things are going i'd like nxt to get back to its roots and not be there merely as a spoiler to to try and take viewers away from AEW that doesn't seem the point I'm a purist wrestling fan from that point I want to see all the wrestling so why there's a, a dilution of NXT to where it is now up to AEW is is, is disappointing for, for me but AEW also need to learn certain things as well because they're now at the point where they're starting to be viable as a proper yeah. opponent to WWE and they need to not make certain mistakes that the yeah. WWE have made um, and I think all of their hands are being forced by COVID at the moment because of the lack of audiences and things it's, it's hard to see what's organic and what's going because most of it is good because we the watching and paying public make it good because of our reactions to certain scenarios you can bet your fucking bottom dollar that Retribution would have died a death long ago if it was left to fans to decide. Yeah. Interesting for five minutes, now boring. Well, Even, that's pushing it slightly, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it would have... 
it would have gone out on the house shows. It would have gone done shit numbers at um, pay-per-views with proper wrestling audiences there. And they'd have just thought, ah, yeah, this, this isn't really working, is it? Mm. So we need to be back in the game. So fucking get yourself immunized, world, because we immunize our way out of this shit. Because none of the governments know what, what the fuck they're doing. They're, we're forced into shit things. They're making small blocks of cheese and three carrots, 30 quids worth of fucking food, free food for, for school children for a month. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Everything is bullshit at the moment. We need to move past this so life can return to normal and then as a return to normality wrestling can return to normal and we the people will have a voice in shaping things going forward because then our reactions to things live will mean more to them than the internet because don't get me wrong we we think we're powerful we're not we're just an irritating voice to those that be in in the wwe but us getting back to normal with with audiences and things like that will then start shaping things a little bit better. Yeah, we might my, lose fucking Goldberg. Anyway, this is apparently about Mr. Perfect. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm um I completely agree with you. I know what you mean about um about I think Wednesday nights are counterproductive for both, really, because again it's made NXT worse, and AEW have got that kind of well we need to look at the ratings, we need to be focused on the ratings, we need to be NXT every week. If you, if you go back to the Impact, Impact are at a point where I don't even know what channel Impact are on uh, in America. I don't know. You don't really see the Impact ratings anywhere, do you? But no, they're, no, no, they're not. They're not just, on the but yeah. No. They've, they've sort they could, of taken they could basically the fact say, right. that we'll, tr- we'll try and push some decent wrestling. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we can book what we want. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not going to affect make, our... Let's make it make sense to our fans, which is perfect. Yeah, right. I go for a wee, so just, you know, have a quick chat for a minute. What what, what were we chatting about? I could well, have we were just this while I was ranting just now, wouldn't it? I was trying to, but I was waiting for you to stop. Um, well, no, you so could we... have just disappeared. I wouldn't have stopped, would I? No, you wouldn't have. No, I didn't realise that at the time, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to uh, just after WrestleMania six, when the Warriors won the title and the Intercontinental title was vacated. So, and it was a tag team. There was a tournament then, which Mr. Perfect won, and he beat uh, Tito Santana in the final of the tournament, oh, and then hooked up a with. Good hand to have. Yeah, well, I'll leave you chatting about Tito Santana. That'll be thirty seconds. God, I've run out of shit to say about Tito Santana already. What I'm going to do is is go back to my original point of wrestling today. Um, WWE stuff at the moment is very stale, and we all know that Raw is the worst point that it's been for for a long time. The, the wrestling today, all across the board is being killed by the lack of an audience. I cannot understate how much 
important and and how much power we wield as wrestling fans when we go along to live events and and how we react to things and the rules and the smackdowns and the dynamites and the dark tapings we we can we can oh all right did you just piss yourself no it was because quick you it was weren't quick. very long at all you, you no. probably you didn't even actually you didn't even have enough time to wash your hands no no well I how, are we gonna get, how are we going to get past fucking COVID if you can't even maintain decent hand sanitizing after you've had your hands on your little fucking button mushroom? I piss. I, I wash my hands, so. Well, you probably didn't piss then. You probably just went out to wash your hands because there's no way you could have had a piss and washed your hands in that time. Well, you I, never trust even, me, I never even got to swear. Did you not? Okay. Where did you get to? I, I didn't talk anything about what you said. I was just, <laughs> okay, right. I, I kept on I kept on about um the influence we have as as wrestling fans when we're in front of a live audience. I just okay, right. kept kept on that thing. And then you yeah. came back immediately. I this unsavory rustling around your yeah. end of the thing alerted me to the fact that you hadn't actually had time to piss and wash your hands properly. Well, you just you guys will have to trust me. I, I did pee. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We're all, so, they're, all um, they're all they're all rewinding this bit on the podcast and just going. That was like twenty seven seconds. There's no way he could have walked to the toilet, had a proper piss, washed his hands for twenty seconds, as is the government guidelines in any sane human being's guidelines. There's no way he could have done all that in that time. So I'm just going no. on a a a. A quick, a quick splash and dry it on your hand, on your trousers as you're walking back, does mm. not constitute proper hand wash. Okay. And so uh, you are a medical professional. Thank you very much, mate. Hi everyone. Um, that's where we're going to call an end to the first part of the Mr. Perfect episode. Actually, I'm back in the toilet now. I definitely wash my hands, so ignore Steve. Um. Yeah, it's a long episode, so we thought we'd break it up into two parts. So the second part is available right now. So wherever you found this part, you should be able to find part two. So go and listen to that. It's a lot better the second part, but don't tell Steve that. Right, see you in a minute. Bye.